thank you so much, um, panelists, for, for joining us. Thank you, attendees, for joining us. This is the inaugural virtual panel for the Achieve podcast. Uh, all three of our panelists have been guests on our show. We were very fortunate for that. And um, on the show itself, we focus on life journey and the experiences they've gone through that have brought them to where they are today. Uh, on these virtual panels, we're going to discuss various topics that uh, our guests, our panelists have uh, been involved with uh, career-wise. And so today we are hosting a topic on technology and mindfulness. And for the benefit of the attendees, I'll just quickly share whom you have in front of you. We've got uh, Max Gomez, an entrepreneur. He's co-founder and CEO of Breathwork. We have David DeJesus, a venture capitalist and partner at VU, VU Venture Partners, and Max Josephson, whom I'll call a technologist, because that sounds uh, <laughs> like it encompasses uh, somebody who's steeped in programming, but is also coming from a mindfulness tradition, uh, who is uh, chief technology officer of Double Blind. So uh, thank you all for, for joining. Um, to set the stage a little bit, we kind of know the broad statistics. Um, there are over a billion smartphones uh, out there. Um, I've seen some interesting stats about how more people can access smartphones than toilets. Although uh, maybe those uh, not th those open air um, sewage systems are better for the environment. Who knows? Um, we also know the stats of how addicted we are to our smartphones. Uh, we check phones 150 times a day. We spend 10 hours a day on screen time and about 34 minutes with our loved ones. And so uh, these are just common stats that have been going around for a few years. Um, we're now beginning to hear about some of the paradoxes and problems. And so, uh, interestingly, technology has brought us closer to uh, those who are farther away from us while creating more distance with those close to us. Now, I can't take credit for that one. I heard that, and I, I don't know whom, to whom I can attribute it, but um, I did craft the following one with the help of my 14-year-old daughter which is that technology has made us more efficient, yet we are left with less downtime. Some of the problems that technology has provided uh, include psychological ones. So we're grappling with isolation, decreased social interaction, to physical problems, uh, problems like obesity, shallow breathing, and tech neck, uh, where it seems like we are always praying. Um, so to dive into it, um, mindfulness has been touted as a way to deal with all kinds of, um, uh, Max, we're going to, Josephson, we're going to stay with you. Um, you brought up Apple and, um, and then kind of what they're doing, uh, to limit the amount of screen time. And so that, that raises a very interesting question because it feels like there are maybe 50 to a hundred designers and developers at three tech companies, Apple, Google, and Facebook, all of whom are in front of Congress, interestingly enough, testifying, not on this issue, but on other issues, uh, antitrust mostly. Um, and um, so the question is like, we were really in their hands. Um, Apple's taken a step here 
to, uh, because they're all vying for our attention. And the more of our attention they can get, the better they're going to do financially. Um, but here's Apple taking a step that's kind of counter to that. Where do you think the responsibility lies? Does the responsibility lie with the companies that are bringing us these kinds of technologies or is it with the individual? Well, I definitely think that um, the companies do have a big responsibility, um, but as individuals, um, we're definitely gaining more uh, why we're at least being more knowledgeable about how our technology affects us negatively. So companies like Apple are kind of going a little bit ahead of the game and helping us do be empowered to make choices with our technology that will help us lead the life that we want. And I don't think that, um, I think that Apple is very wise and they realize that, you know, there's a certain level of, attention where just capturing attention is a good thing but then there's also capturing somebody's attention where they're feeling good and even if that if you're feeling good and you're spending less time on the technology then that's actually it's actually a great thing to have technology that you don't have to interact with as much mm -hmm. like good technology should be as in either invisible or non-intrusive as possible right. um so i think that really the responsibility is in, in in both and i think that um i think that apple is um trying to to uh because they're not getting money from advertising to they have a real um more incentives to try to put a more holistic product and so that's pretty cool and that's one of the reasons why i'm more of an apple fan personally gotcha. Okay, I appreciate that. Uh, Max Gomez, same question to you. These big tech companies, is a responsibility on them and their program, their designers and developers? Do they have the onus or is it the individual to seek out companies like yours or others that are being more supportive of mindfulness? Yeah, I think, um, you know, with these big companies, I think everyone's also just understanding what the effects are of these phones we have on us. I mean, if you take a look around when you're walking around and replace people's phones with cigarettes, you really see, like in your mind, so visually replace people's phones with cigarettes, you really see the problem that arises and the addiction that we all have with our phones, like impulsively checking, you know, when you're checking out at the grocery store, everyone's on their phone, we can't just be without it. And I think we're all still understanding what the repercussions and effects are of that. So it's hard to tell who should be responsible, but I think, there exists a level of just responsibility for these companies to just be open and transparent with what their products can potentially do and you know like how to use it less potentially so with food labels with everything else we with we ingest like we have food labels that tell us the nutritional ingredients on the back of them and i think some of the devices we have and some of the products we use should really tell us you know this can be addicting if you have used it for over 8 hours a day you should stop and I think that's like where the responsibility lies is just the transparency of the product and telling people, you know, when is too much too much and, you know, what could be the negative repercussions of using this product, I think, is something that should be more transparent with these things. Yeah. Um, a great example of, of where I saw this was, was TikTok. Um, if you scroll on TikTok, which TikTok is made to be very, very addicting, you scroll on TikTok for over, I think, 45 minutes or an hour, this ad from TikTok pops up and it's like, hey, you've been scrolling for a while now, like put your phone down, these videos will still be here in an hour, take a break, get some fresh air, get some sun, 
and then you could come back another day or, or in a couple hours from now. And I think that was something that was very socially responsible of them because they understand that it can be so addicting and, and so consuming to be invested in, in, in these products. And it's just really nice to see that people are taking action like that. And I think there will be more action of that over time. Yeah. I mean, I don't think, you know, I don't think everyone's evil. I don't think Google's evil. I don't think these companies are evil. I think obviously, A, they're trying to make money, but B, they just want to do something that helps empower people. And I think like Max said before, it's like, they want to, I think the, the best technology, like, like you said, is to get people away from their phones. So it adds to the life you're living and not is the life itself. Right. And I think technology that empowers you to live your life and not technology that is your life, it should be the route that should go down. Yeah, well done. I really like that uh, metaphor of big tobacco. And of course, uh, there were years of uh, not taking responsibility and then through government intervention uh, that changed. And now um, Philip Morris runs a site that helps with smoking cessation. Yeah. So there's obviously big progress that's that's been made there. Um, David, how do you feel on this subject? Should uh, the big tech companies uh, play a role in uh, helping us uh, with mindfulness and technology? I think there's a, so if I could just frame it in a, in a few ways, mm -hmm. um, uh, and I'll, I'll reference a couple of things. One is I think that if you go back a little bit in history and look at um, some of the designers that came out with the phones or at least helped to design this new generation of phones, um, you know, it's funny because they, it was a satirical but also serious um, article about somewhat of a regret because their children are now 100% on these phones. Uh, and, but the other side of that is, you know, we're, we're technology is moving at an incredible rate, uh, especially now being in the venture capital side of things, we get exposed to things that are, that are much more faster than we can uh, assume what, you know, what they are. For example, you know, on the AI space or machine learning space, it's moving incredibly fast. Uh, technology is, is picking up so quickly um, that, you know, some of the challenges are philosophically are that we don't have great thinkers being able to disseminate information about, you know, digital usage uh, and, and a modern day philosophy. Uh, it's, it'll probably be a little bit more reflective or reactive. Just kind of, just kind of like, you know, we can, we can read Michel Foucault today and then imagine what it was like mm. in his day. But, him writing on the on the topic at the moment probably was a little bit out of context, so that that's to frame the the speed in which technology is moving. From the political and and, and social responsibility perspective, um, that's that's the addition because policy can't be written fast enough to 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 think that far ahead. But I can definitely guarantee you that um, you know the information. Um, there's, there's information groups and, and, and agencies that are part of our U.S. government that are VCs as well. So they're, they're exposed. Uh, they, they understand this technology. So InQtel was one of the first investors in Google, uh, and, and it's, a, it's, it's the CIA. So they understand this at a significant level that um, is pretty interesting to, to really think about. Uh, the economical framing of this is also very interesting because economically 
these are the biggest drivers that have driven our economy. And, and um, you know, we're in, in, we're in an interesting time where everyone can have an abundance of, of uh, resources at the palm of their hands. And economically, it's changed the world for many, many people. So there's, there's so many, I feel like there's so many bigger benefits in the, in the, in the realm of technology. But if we're to really break it down to um, this discomfort, this weird feeling that we get because we're not really in control of, of our behaviors, again, it really comes down to our personal abilities to, you know, have self-awareness, have self, uh, you know, really do a lot of that work. It's, it's a lot of work to put into to, to, to develop that internally. And then also as parents, for example, and that's another framing really quickly, is that we're birthing digital natives. And I think when I was a kid, I was told that, you know, playing video games will rot your brain or otherwise. I think there's been some, you know, significant developments in, in what, um, you know, big, bigger benefits there are in, in, in gaming. And, and we're still so, sort of seeing that come alive. I think that we can't judge. I think it's, it's difficult for us to particularly judge because if, if you're, child or if you're um, if your little human is showing some type of skill set in an area that makes you feel a little uncomfortable you should actually I, I would actually suggest that it, you 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 uh, explore it see what see what that is see where that see where that discomfort comes from if they are watching their phone you know more often than they're act active physically um, there's an interesting component to that and it's it's also a parent's responsibility to to, to do that. So if we were to just, just talk about responsibility in general, um, I don't think it's the government's job per se to, to do that. I think it's our job to, um, to, to kind of track and, and keep ourselves accountable to ourselves. I also think that uh, technology, these big technology companies do have somewhat of a responsibility because they, they, they design thinking and design, you know, philosophy is always evolving. So, um, they've, they've, I think we've kind of come a little bit full loop for a feedback loop for that. And now we can kind of be a little bit smarter about the future of design. Okay. Um, no, I appreciate that. That's great. Um, we'll stay with you, David, for this next question. Um, Max Gomez talked about TikTok and having this ad that comes in 45 minutes in, um, there, uh, the founder of Time Well Spent, uh, named Tristan Harris, he's written this article that's frequently referenced, which basically talks about the ways in which um, uh, we're made addicts um, uh, for technology. He calls it how we we get hijacked, how our, our attention gets hijacked, and he he, he lists a bunch of these. One in being uh, variable reward, which is uh, what slot machines rely on. So. Um, we're grabbing our phone. Did we get a message? Did we get a response? We don't know what the reward's going to be, but we're constantly looking. Um, limiting the menu options, limiting what we have available, what we can do with it is another form of sort of control. And then we, we don't, we're not doing the things that otherwise we would want to. Um, fear of missing out. Um, social validation and social reciprocity. So having identified a few of the reasons why we become addicted, is there a way we can turn those on its head and use that, sort of use our, our, our uh, those factors, our, our sort of our psychology in a way that's helpful to us, in a way that 
leverages and, and does something that's more mindful based. Yeah, and and this is this is hard to prescribe as a blanket statement, and I'm not I don't come from a clinical perspective, but I do I do have a lot of invested time, um, you know, reading you know, like psych, social economics, um, even my own psychology as an investor, and I think a lot of it has to do with um, kind of create, creating better suggestive you know, means at first. So that, that the entry point needs to be uh, very much more subject, sub, uh, suggestive in teaching. And I think he has a great point. Obviously, if you haven't had the time and you're, I can imagine myself as a 17, 18 year old with, with not the emotional and, you know, um, maturity to, to really handle myself, I, I'd imagine this is very, very impactful. Um, and not having all the tools necessary, the mental tools to really deal with it. Uh, it takes time, like it does take time. So I do, I do recognize that there is a very vulnerable uh, population at this point. And, you know, in order to really help that, um, it takes like conversations like this, I think very suggestive conversations to kind of keep, uh, you know, keep uh, the population well informed uh, about the dangers of, of going that route. But I also recommend everyone to read Daniel Kahneman and say, you know, and, and it's thinking fast and slow and, and really understanding where your, your synapses actually sit. Are you more of a, um, you know, a, a reaction, a reactive type of person, or are you kind of a, a slower thinker where it takes a little bit time, a little bit of time for you to ingest things and, and, and think about them? And then really compare that to, to maybe some patterns that you've had in, in life. Uh, I also recommend, pro, you know, I'm going to do a little plug here, but my a good friend and, and a startup that I'm advising is called uh, Go Brick or Brick. Uh, my friend Tommy Sobel offers um, an education course on um, removing yourself from your phone. So he does events that are phone free, uh, dinners that are phone free, things that pull you off the screen on purpose. But his philosophy is really, you know, deep in there because he, he, uh, he explained himself. He was a young professional, was addicted to his phone, recognized the addiction, and then did something about it. Nice. You have to recognize that addiction, have an intervention, and if you were to, if we were to take the clinical perspective, you know, with all the drug rehab programs out there, the best ones that that are successful are the ones that help you realize your self awareness first, yeah. and then help you develop that tool along the way. Rather than saying, you know, rather than the, 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 the hyper intervention is like the 20 day, 28 day program. It's like those interventions matter. It has to be incrementally helpful. But if it's a, if it's a cold turkey type of environment, it's probably, uh, it's most likely not going to work. So it takes time. It takes self-awareness. But the other part of it is if they're going to change, if a person's going to change, uh, it, it's going to take it takes a huge effort. It's a heavy, heavy lift. But once they, once you pass that heavy lift, uh, you know, and, and, and they make an effort and mentally to change that's it's huge. It's a, it's a big thing for a human to do that. Oh, so true. yeah, I, I do agree. I think there's a big population that definitely needs a lot of this information that we're talking about.
Yeah, um, I appreciate that. And a great reference to Kahneman. He's a psychologist I, I really admire. Um, Max Josephson, you quoted Buddha earlier and talked about how meditation should be where we are and about sort of passive um, uh, approaches to, uh, to mindfulness. Do you think there's scope to also use our psychology in a way that gets us to become addicted to mindfulness practices as opposed to, uh, to technology or social media? Um, yeah, so I think that um, people are coming into this from many different places, people that maybe have a knowledge about meditation but are curious on integrating it with their technology, people that know very little bit about meditation and maybe are... Um, are using mindfulness when really maybe they should be focusing on their sleep first or, or other things. Like I don't think that meditation per se is a cure all for everybody. And I think that, uh, uh, I think that it's very important to know the different aspects of your lifestyle that are impacting you. Um, and, and I think that one of the most important things with mindfulness and technology is actually just figuring out what, but you know websites what apps you're spending your time on and is that really how you want to be spending your life and is that really driving you pushing you forward and that takes an incredible amount of self-awareness and um and i think that meditation definitely helps with your self-awareness along with you know maybe going to therapy journaling getting good sleep and um i'm uh also think that um giving people tools with technology that will help them make choices um, is really key. And, you know, you might wonder, well, they already have, they already have choices. They're choosing to go to these different websites and do these different things. But um, we only have, we only have so much, um, you know, uh, ability to make decisions throughout the day, like decision fatigue is a real big thing. Addiction is a real big thing. And so we really want, um, to be able uh, to enable technology to augment what we want to do and have a clear picture of what we want to do. And I think those are some of the uh, big challenges as far as um, how we are going to uh, enable people and to live really fully uh, in this right. time and place. Max Gomez, I'll come back to you. Uh, you did highlight the TikTok uh, example, but wondering, um, uh, you know, can, can we use the psychology of addiction to, uh, well, and, and there are some of those aspects you've adopted in your app. So maybe talk about what features that you've uh, used there that uh, have typically been used uh, to, to get us more addicted to screen time. Yeah, I think you, you touched on some of those good points. Like there's people who are definitely more susceptible and, and vulnerable to uh, becoming more addicted to these things, especially a younger population as your brain's still developing and it's not until you're 25 years old where your prefrontal cortex is actually fully developed. And, you know, changing a behavior after 25 is really tough. So I think just having more of a um, empathetic understanding of, of children and their usage of these apps is going to be really important um, to understand. And with what we do with our app, you know, we were 18 years old plus, but it's not, we still have children using the app, but like we kind of don't advertise ourselves to younger people because we want to be cautious of that. Yeah. Um, but with, with, with what we do and what we game, we tend to gamify it. So we're gamifying the experience to make it 
more sticky and addicting. But we think in terms of we're doing something that's kind of for the greater good. So if you're telling people to be more conscious of their breathing, to use these steps to control your body and control your mind, we think that it's actually more beneficial to you know, have these little triggers in there that gets them into this practice more and more often. Because I, when I set out to create Breathwork and, and the company around breathing, I needed it myself. I wasn't getting these reminders. I wasn't getting guided through these sessions. And I found so much benefit in creating the product for myself and then saw that other people found the benefit in that too. And, you know, I'm only 24 years old, so I'm definitely way more susceptible to instant media and gamification and stuff. And I needed something like that to kind of keep me into that and keep me intrigued in that because, you know, my whole world growing up was just so much constant stimulation from everywhere. So certain mindfulness practices can be dissuading from people because they're actually not entertaining. They're not sticky. You don't feel like you're progressing through it. So I was really cautious in making this product to make it more sticky, more entertaining, to help you feel more engaged with it. Um, and then also Max Josephine brought up the point where technology should empower your life and not be your life before. And that's the goal with what we're creating too. Like we're trying to get people to use these exercises when you need them and to empower your life so you can go do what you're going to do next and not spend all your time doing it or using it. Um, but it, it, it is important to, to get people to, to build good habits and making it fun and easy to build good habits, I think is really important too. I mean, that's why 30 day challenges work so well for gyms and yoga studios, because right. you get people in, you have something to work for. Um, and that's one great trigger that really works for people and, and for behavior. But I think there's definitely, um, you know, other technology out there that's used for the bad. So if you take, if you take that, you know, addictiveness and gamification of things and then, like you're saying before with like Instagram or TikTok, they use the the slot machine approach where it's like every now and then you get a big hit of an amazing piece of content and then you go back to something boring and then it builds you back up again. And it's that stuff that's that's pretty can be detrimental over time. Um, but yeah, I, I think you know there can be certain aspects of, of product and consumer behavior and that can be beneficial. And I think in the mindfulness space, it can be beneficial if it's used properly. And it's something that I'm very cautious of and, and hyper aware of. And I don't want to have people using my app for 10 hours a day. Um, right. Definitely want them to use it when they need it and to build a daily practice with it. Yeah, absolutely, that sounds great. Achieve is recorded at Subtractive and Hangar 8 at the Santa Monica Airport. Music is produced by Hennedy.